Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips about how best to manage and grow your money, how to save it, how to spend it, how not to spend it, and you know just how to make the most out of the out of what it is that you do to put it all together. I've come to think about this little podcast as what we think about is like drive time financial advice, maybe one or two things that you can take with you, and go along to uh, help yourself be one step better. You know, it's not meant to be an overhaul. It's just meant to be like maybe one or two ideas. If you've been tuning into my podcast and you like it, it would be great if you took a minute and rated our show wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or now we're on Spotify. We have several different places where you can download our podcast. I've been getting some great comments from the Money Matters community, and I really appreciate that. If you have questions that you'd like me to address on the show, please feel free to take a minute and just send me a question. I'm happy to see if I can answer it on the next podcast or on a podcast coming soon to, to a silo near you. Okay. Well, I have been doing a little leisure reading. As you can imagine, I'm, I'm kind of a financial geek. I love to pretty much read anything about money or how people do things or how people spend things. And so every once in a while, I trip across something that I think is really interesting that I think you guys might find interesting too. So there's something called the consumer lifetime value or the customer lifetime value, which is a score. Now, it's not like your credit score because you can't like look it up and know what it is. You know, I mean, I think that there's been plenty of information about credit scores in the last 10 years where everybody knows what their credit score is and where they can access it. I'm not actually sure that all that's good, but everybody has a basic awareness of what their credit score is and whether or not it's considered, quote, good. They might not always know what changes to do to make it good, but what you should know is that your vendors have moved on to something called a customer lifetime value score. Now, this isn't as new as it sounds, but basically just imagine that they know a lot about you. Now, I would say that if you've been a steady shopper at a particular store, say you're a Macy's shopper, Macy's knows a lot about you. You go in, they mail you free coupons for things that you're likely to use, and they somehow magically know what to send you. And you go, this is great. I just love it at Macy's. I go in and I use my Macy's card, blah, blah, blah. I get all these coupons in the mail. And it's like Macy's magic. Well, it's gotten a lot more robust since the days of Macy's magic. So there's still Macy's magic, right? You still get coupons in the mail for stores that you use and you magically go there and spend the money. Um, And they know that you're valuable to them. Now, you might think they're sending these coupons to everybody, but you actually need to know that they're not. So when you see special offers that come in on your email, 
with a store that you do a lot of business with, you should know that not everybody got that offer. In fact, one of the things that technology has allowed these companies to do is figure out who is valuable to them over time and who is kind of not worth it. Not worth it, you say. Aren't we all worth it? Doesn't every sale matter? Isn't every customer always right? Actually, no. So today, as an example, if you call, say, your wireless phone carrier and uh, you have a problem with your phone and somebody else is also calling and they have a problem with their phone and you have like one of those really big contracts where you've got iPads, you've got this, you've got that, you've got all these things you're paying monthly, you've been doing business with this company a long time and somebody else just has kind of like basic wireless service and they're calling for the exact same issue. It's valid. Both of you are having the exact same problem except one person's on hold for four or five minutes and one person is routed to the top of the queue to the most experienced person on the call center. Now, you hang up the phone if you're that person and you go, what a nice company. I love doing business with them. They're so responsive and they get stuff done. But you know, you need to understand that not everybody's having that experience. That companies have decided how to sort for that experience. So they actually know a lot about you. In fact, companies although they're very kind of cagey and quiet about this data, they don't really share it. In fact, uh, the Wall Street Journal just did an article about this and tried to get some of these companies to share their kind of secret sauce, and guess what? Shock of all shocks, nobody was interested in sharing their secret sauce. But I started to think about what, how would it matter? How might you leverage this? What kind of shopper are you? And what can you expect from companies that you try to do business with? So I always think that there are, you know, there are always a couple of kinds of shoppers. I always think that people break into two or three categories, right? There's the, the loyal shopper that always shops at Whole Foods or Kroger, that they never even think about going to another store. And then there's my girlfriend, Helen. Now, Helen will take the flyers that she gets during the weekend, and she will shop in three grocery stores buying the stuff that's on sale in each grocery store. You know, she raised kids. She, you know, had to buy food. She cooks amazing food for them. But the reality is she is just opposed to the idea of spending too much on anything. She is looking for absolutely everything that she needs on sale at the best place and she's willing to travel to make that happen. These are two very different shoppers. Well, companies have started to call the one, you know, my girlfriend, Helen, they call them grinders, meaning you never really make any money on these people because they're always hitting you for the discount, best deal, and they never come back and buy the full service product because they've already looked for the next deal somewhere else. And frankly, companies are starting to figure out that those people aren't all that profitable to them. They've decided that, you know what, people that come and go and that only shop when things are on sale and only buy on our website when things are on a deep discount are actually not that good for us. We need people who actually value us and want to buy more stuff from us, and we need to spend our resources cultivating those relationships. So now let's talk about the loyal shopper. Well, we started to see this in grocery stores, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and frankly, I got to tell you, I kind of hate this. This idea that you're like the special shopper in the store and there's stuff on sale only for you. You come into the store and strawberries are on sale for slightly less than the retail price of strawberries anywhere else, but much cheaper than they're saying their strawberries are worth. If you have like this little saver card. 
I've actually left grocery stores over this because I find it to be like a joke. Like they're not really selling strawberries on sale. They're really just trying to make you get into their loyalty program in order to buy any strawberries at all. And so people have gone to a place where they go, you know, this is just rotten. You know, we're just, we're getting tricked here. We're not really getting a better deal. We're just getting lied to the idea that we're getting a better deal. So don't even think about that. Think about stores that are actually really giving you, their high value shopper, a better deal. Well, can, can you get a better deal without like searching for the cheapest price all the time? And the answer is yes, you can. So as an example, if you fly the same airline all the time and you accrue airline points, you get better services from the airline, you have a better shot to be upgraded. But if you're at the counter whining all the time, that this flight is not what you promised, that they didn't give you more than peanuts, that this flight was late, blah, 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 your actual customer value score goes down. Because if you're a hassle, you cost them money. Okay, KT, so what you're saying to me is I got to go sit in whatever seat they give me, eat the peanuts, never complain, and always fly with them in order to get a better deal? Yeah, kind of that's the answer. So think about a company like JetBlue. Now, I don't know what their algorithm is, and neither does anybody else except the people at JetBlue, but I get emails all the time with flying discounts, all the time. I fly JetBlue a lot. They've got a hub out of Boston. I live in New Hampshire, so I'm on the JetBlue flight a lot. I like extra legroom. I like early boarding. You know, I'm the person that buys those extra things to get a better seat because I want to be comfortable. And so I get stuff from them all the time. They know me. They want me. I pay. I'll pay a little extra to get better care. And I usually am not complaining. I'm usually doing exactly what I want to do. So I was in Chicago last week on business. And I found out this little bad thing about JetBlue. Turns out that JetBlue only has two gates in all of O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. So the JetBlue airplane lands and they say, it'll be 15 minutes to taxi to our gate. And I, which seems crazy. And then I find out they only have these two little gates because JetBlue doesn't have a relationship with O'Hare. In fact, American and United use them as a hub and they don't really actually want JetBlue there, but they do let JetBlue have two little hangars. So we taxi for 15 minutes, seriously, driving this plane all over Chicago. And then we get there and we can't get into our gate because there's another plane we're waiting for it to leave. And we wait another 10 minutes. So I spent 25 minutes trying to get off the plane on a flight that was only an hour and 25 minutes or whatever it is to Chicago. So I call my assistant. I say, can you do me a favor? Can you try to get me on an American airline flight going home? Because I actually just want to go home, going home late on Friday night and see if you can get me any credit from JetBlue for the return flight that I don't want to take. And so JetBlue actually gave me a credit for that return flight. Why? Because I actually just never ask for one and I fly them all the time. Now, American was happy to fly me one way, nonstop. I was in and out of the airport in no time. I was in and out of Boston in no time and on my way home on Friday night to be with my family, just like everybody else wants to be. But JetBlue didn't have a problem giving me that money because they know I will be back. And they know that I'm not going to always look for the cheapest seat in the back of the plane and do whatever it takes. And I'm also not going to complain all the time because I'm really somebody who plans my traveling pretty carefully and seldom makes these kinds of changes. 
So somewhere along the line, I believe I've probably come up on the customer value level of JetBlue. And I think business travelers really understand this, that they travel a lot. And so for them to have alliances with the right airlines can make everything about the fact that they travel a lot easier, which travel is no longer the joy it used to be in the 90s. You know, it's a hassle now. So you have to, the more ease you can get, the better off life is. Same thing is true for credit card companies. In fact, store, um, if you look at retailers, retailers know, this is, a funny, this is a funny little quip, if you have a Nordstrom's credit card in your wallet, which by the way, I actually don't have one, but if you had a Nordstrom's credit card in your wallet, they know that you'd be a better customer for them long-term and you get points just because you own a Nordstrom's car. If you have an American Express card and you're thinking about canceling your card because you're maybe going to do something different and you call them up, and you've been a really good customer to them, they're going to figure out what they have to offer you to get you to stay. Versus if you're somebody who kind of has their MX and doesn't really, you know, use all their other services. So could you make yourself more attractive to retailers that you want to do business with either because, well, first, because you really like their product and you really value what they sell? Right. So do I care that ABC, do I care that Kroger grocery store doesn't value me? No, I live in Hannaford territory in New Hampshire. Do I care that Nord's, I don't have a Nordstrom's car? No, there's not actually a Nordstrom in New Hampshire. I live in the land of the, you know, I always say I live in land, the land of the house dress. I have to travel to go buy my business class, but that's all right. But when the day is done, what you want to decide is what do you value? right? They've decided what they value and you need to decide what you value. So what's that mean? So as an example, if you value home delivery, which I do because I just don't have time to go shopping. I'm like one of the, you know, when I always say, you know, I wrote the book for the hardworking woman's guide to money because I am a hardworking woman and I don't have a lot of time for that. So Amazon is like the best friend of um, KT Thomas hardworking money because I can get whatever I need delivered. It's not that I don't go to the store once in a while, it's that I don't have time and I'm not even interested in the idea of going to spend the day at the mall. And I know some of you love that, but I just couldn't, you know, I would rather take a sharp stick in my eye. I just am not interested. So if I can get most of what I need delivered, then that's the way I want to do it. Amazon knows I'm serious and I'm right in there. And you know what, I get great offers from them all the time. And, um, and I get, you know, home delivery and I pay a little something for that. But, you know, I exploit that because all year long they're delivering to my house for free. So it works out okay. I get all my money back in delivery charges. I'm capable and I actually, you know, I love to track those things to see how it goes. And so jumping around on the internet and ordering things from a multiple of different companies, even though, that, even though you can, sometimes what you save is not enough to offset what you'd save if you bought more with one firm. Something to think about. Same thing with travel. Same thing with credit cards. You want to think about what you value. You know, are you the person that's going to use them for airline miles? Are you the person that's going to use them for uh, discretionary purchases? Do you want cash back? I personally love a cash back card because I think that, you know, anything else that ties, it's not that, it's not that miles aren't fantastic and I get miles from my flight. Um, but when the day's done, cash is king. So getting cash back is often better for me than getting mystery money that I can use somehow in the future. A card that lets me take my 
membership points and use them towards my bill. I like that too, because then I can take their money and use it to reduce my money, which, you know, means I get to keep more of my money for myself. You don't, you know, you want to think about um, what stores you like to buy your clothes from, seeing as we all actually need to wear clothes. And let me just tell you that that is a budget item in my house because, you know, I have to dress for work every day. And of course, I love to buy all kinds of triathlon clothes. Those people totally know how to find me. And so the idea of limiting, you know, who I'm buying my stuff from in order to get the best price on the most things over time, not the best one item discount, but the best client experience with the best price on average over time. So it's a very different financial proposition. Companies are ranking you. So this is a question of whether or not A, you care and B, you want to try to move that math. So think about who it is you do business with and whether or not you'd rather be in a position to get more from them or less from them. It's really your call because it's your money and you can use it any way that you'd like. I just thought that this was a fascinating idea that you could actually tilt how you benefited by thinking about who you do business with. So if as you were listening to this, you liked this tip, you should check out my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. It has many tips and ideas about how to get ahead with your finances. It's available on Amazon in the book, the Kindle, or Audible if you like to listen while you drive. Until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.